So can I start with a pop quiz this morning? Tell me if you know how phrases end. Like father, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's just the way my family is. He's a chip off the old block. All right, so last week we established some foundational truths. One, there is a real spiritual world at work. Two, we talked about that God is in charge of it. The Bible is the standard for all things. The penalty of sin is death. And we talked about thanatos, and not just talking about eternal death, but also uh, death in this life. When you sin, it creates misery in your life. And if you hear these words and you obey, then you will be free. There's freedom when you obey the Lord and, and his standards. But if you don't obey, there is misery. Five, we talked about that Jesus paid the penalty for us. Hallelujah for that. And six, our choices impact generations to come. So basically what was good that was passed down uh, in our lives, we want to pass that down to others. And what was bad that was passed down, how do we break that? And that's what this series is about. So if you're on social media, uh, it's hashtag Breaking Bad. If you want the sermon notes, just send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc. We identified two key verses. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And we talked about house, the Hebrew word for that is baith, which is a household, which is generations, and it's not just a physical house. And then we had talked about Deuteronomy 5.10, where it says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in their third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Now, this I lay my sins on the parents doesn't mean that God punishes kids for their parents' sins. It does mean our choices establish family patterns that have implications for generations to come. Our choices in life are like dropping a big boulder in a pond, a big old rock. They create a ripple effect for generations to come. Today, we want to do two, three, two things. We want to add three truths to our understanding that's specific to the ripple effect. And then we want to talk about real practical implications to our parenting as well. So truth number one, if you guys want to take notes, you got some uh, gray uh, cards in front of you. If you got your prayer journals, we encourage you guys to bring those and, and just keep them with you throughout the week. Whenever God's speaking to you, write those down. So truth number one, there is no such thing as a neutral family history. Let's do the math. All of us have one thing in common. We all have two parents. Now, whether your parents are in your life or not, whether your parents got married, we all have two parents. There's two people that came together to form you. And those two parents all have four grand, uh, all have parents, so they, you have four grandparents. 
Then there's eight grandparents that follow that. And then 16 great-great-parents, which totals 30 ancestors just in that five-generation line right there. If you are married, you can double that. 60 ancestors just in that lineage right there. If, if, you're, uh, if your parents divorced and they remarried, that goes to 90. And if your spouse is from a, a, blended, a blended family, that's 120. 120 ancestors. If you were adopted, the number goes even higher than that. Add to that the spiritual fathers and mothers in your lives, and the impact is profound. Jim Wall, Pastor Jim Wall, who shared on Thursday with Pastor Farrell, talked about a lady that he knew that whenever she got depressed, she thought about suicide. So he sat down, he talked with her, and he kind of wanted to know the background. Like, why is this? Every time she gets depressed, she thinks about committing suicide. Well, her pastor, who was a spiritual father in her life and made a big impact on her life, when she was a teenager, she walked into her pastor's office and found him dead because he has shot himself. Can you imagine as a teenager walking into your pastor's office and seeing him dead and the impact that that had on his life. He had a good impact on her, but he also had a bad impact. So whenever depression would come, she had these suicidal thoughts, but she was afraid to commit suicide because she didn't want to go to hell. And so she talked to uh, Pastor Jim Wall, and Pastor Jim Wall clarified that. He said, suicide won't send you to hell. But not having a saving relationship with Jesus will. And said, you know, if you commit suicide, do you really want your last act in this life to be a disobedient one? Because God gives us the command to not murder, which also means yourself. And asked her, is committing suicide the legacy that you want to leave? The legacy you want to leave. Let alone all the questions and the pain you will leave your family to deal with for the rest of their lives. Because you will. You will. My grandfather committed suicide. And we have all these questions. And and the pain that we got to deal with. You know, and I never got to meet my, my grandfather, uh, Graydon, who did this. He died before I, I passed away, and I was just even thinking about him this week. But some spiritual fathers and mothers can have more of an impact on you than maybe your own very parents did. Uh, my parents had a big impact on me, and it was a positive impact. But I also had a lot of spiritual parents in my life. And there's two people that I think of. One is Dr. Don Reinhardt, who was one of my professors at Ashton University in Ohio. And uh, go Buckeyes. And uh, <clears throat> listen, if you are a Buckeye fan, I know God's hand of blessing is upon your life. <laughs> just want to say that. And if you're a Michigan Wolverine, we're going to help you to break the bad. 
in your life. Um, no, but Dr. Don Reinhardt, he was one of my professors and, and, and just a, a huge mentor in my life. Uh, college was some rough years in my life. Can I get an amen to some, some people in there? That college was some, some rough, really trying to find out who you were. I was engaged to another girl and uh, was, just, was just a really, uh, just, a, was a, just a bad relationship. And, and that fell apart, thankfully, for the both of our sakes. And, uh, but I, you know, I remember coming to, to Dr. Don and, and talking to him about that. I remember when I kind of felt God calling me to ministry, and, and uh, he was someone who I really respected. And, and he really walked me through some difficult years, and he believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. I also think about Joanne Emmerich as well, someone who's just a very special lady uh, to us. She lives in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and, and I actually got to meet her uh, because of Sabrina, and, um, and I was uh, pastoring a church out there, and, and I remember that, that her and her family invited me to Thanksgiving with them. And, and I wasn't, you know, with my family, and, and that was the first time I'd ever been away from my family during a holiday. And it, it just meant so much that, that a family I hardly knew invited me to spend Thanksgiving with them. But, but she is just a very special lady. Um, Lord, she's just, uh, she just speaks truth in love and in ways that, that no one has ever done before. And so I have some spiritual mentors in my life who have shaped me. All this to say is there are a huge number of ancestors whose life choices impact you. More importantly, you are an ancestor for generations to come. And you will be talked about. So how will you be remembered? How will you be talked about? What will they say about you 50 years from now, 100 years from now? And what kind of impact are you going to leave? Even if you never met your ancestors, doesn't change the fact. Their lives have affected yours, good and bad. We are all beneficiaries of blessings and curses, and in most cases, both. They did some things right, and you received the blessings from that. They did some things wrong, and you inherited that pain as well. <clears throat> Sabrina and I have family members that have passed down alcoholism through generations. We both have alcoholics in our families, a heritage of bad. We also have family members that have passed down faithfulness to Jesus through the generations. In fact, there's a grandmother that, 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 that I have that would always put a check mark inside the front of her Bible cover for every time she read through the Bible. At her funeral, we looked inside of her Bible, and there were seven check marks. Seven times she read through the Bible. Listen, I'm almost 40, and I think I maybe read it through like one time. So I got some catching up to do. But it's a heritage of blessings, a heritage of blessings. When your kids look through your Bible, when you get older or when you pass on, is it going to look like brand new? Or is it going to be all jacked up? Is it going to be duct taped? Is it going to be highlighted and written in? What, what, what's your Bible going to look like when you're gone? Now, I know a lot of us have used our phone apps now, the Bible, so not really sure how that's going to work, but anyway. No doubt we all have family stories 
Some we are proud of and some we'd rather not have told. All of them impact our lives in ways we sometimes don't even realize. Truth number two, patterns continue until you break them. Did I mess up here? What did I do here? I don't know what I did here. Anyway, if you can put that slide up. Number two, patterns continue until you break them. <clears throat> There's no such thing as a neutral family background. The good news is, if we inherit dysfunctional patterns, they can be broken. Patterns are broken with your words and your actions. Patterns are broken with your words and your actions. The most profound illustration I know in the Bible has to deal with some Pharisees. Jesus pronounced seven woes on the Pharisees. Trust me, you don't want to hear Jesus say, woe to you. It means you are under a curse of curses. And in Matthew 23, Jesus pronounces woe over them for hypocrisy. In Matthew 23, 29, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You know what? One thing I love about Jesus is he says, he speaks the truth. Right? Like, you knew where you stood with Jesus. You build tombs for the, prophet, for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. Follow what that says. They admit what their fathers did. They said that they, you know, they had murdered the prophets, but, you know, that's not us. And if we had lived then, we wouldn't have done what they did. We would have not killed God's prophets. So they are rejecting their father's sins with their words. Okay, follow me. That's good. But the problem is verse 32. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. You see, Jesus knew they were plotting to kill him. At the same time, they were saying, we wouldn't have killed the prophets like our forefathers did. But they were about ready to kill the Messiah. Jesus is saying to them, you say you have broken the pattern of death that your ancestors started, but your actions make it clear you have not. Talk is cheap, right? Because you are continuing to act in the same way your forefathers acted, you refuse to break the cycle of sin you inherited from your ancestors. It is as if your actions are just a continuation of their actions. You are saying that you are not like them, but I see from your actions you are just like them. As a result, you are perpetuating this pattern of death to the next generation, and that's not on you. That's not on them. That's on you. So what about you? 
what are you saying in your life that, you know what, my parents were like that, my grandparents were like that, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not like them. Are your words and your actions matching up? Because if your actions aren't matching up with your words, then you know what? It's on you. And you are continuing the pattern. It's not enough just to say the words. We've got to follow up with actions. What is Jesus saying to us? If we receive blessings from our ancestors, blessings from our ancestors, but we act differently than they acted, we can break the cycle of blessing as well. So you know what? If grandma and grandpa served Jesus, and mom and dad served Jesus, and there's a there's a blessing, uh, an inheritance of blessing that's been passed down, and you're not serving Jesus, you know what? You've just stopped that pattern of blessing. That's something to think through. If we receive curses from our ancestors, but we act differently than they acted, we can break the curse. Either way, it requires recognizing what is wrong and making changes. Making changes. Truth number three. You don't have to know your ancestors to break a curse at work. You don't have to know your ancestors to break a curse at work. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for, mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. Now, iniquity, the Hebrew word, is avon, which is unnatural bend or twist. Let me show you guys a picture here of a tree. Have you guys seen trees like this before? Where it's like going up and all of a sudden it's just going out? Like, what happened there? What, what, was, what was blocking, what was hindering that tree from growing like it was supposed to. Like, we don't know, right? We don't know what was there. We don't know if it was another tree or if it was a man-made structure that's no longer there, uh, whatever it is. But when you see that image, you know there was something in the way of that tree growing straight, that tree growing the way it was supposed to. The obstacle is gone, but the effects remain. Same thing, like, we don't know we don't have to know all of that our, our ancestors did, but we can see the effects in our lives. Here's how, here's how Solomon put it in Proverbs 26.2. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. That says if no one did anything to earn the curse, it wouldn't be there. The fact that it's there indicates that some, someone did something. In other words, you can't have the curse of poverty on your family unless there has been a violation of God's principles in their life or recent ancestors' lives. 
Do you understand why we need to understand this? It's because we are affected by the behavior, the values, the sins of recent ancestors. And if it is a pattern of of dysfunction, we have to decide to change the pattern. We have to decide, I don't want to be like that. I want to be set free from all that. I see the effects of that in my life, of all that negativity and all that sin and the curses, and I want to start a new pattern. I want to set in motion for my children and for my descendants blessings from this day forward. Do any of you want that today? Okay, two people. Awesome. Well, I want it for my family, and I want it for yours as well. Am I willing to do what I, what I must before God to ensure I've done my part to have that for my children and grandchildren? Hear me. All curses can be broken by any generation at any time. You can set in motion blessings for generations to come. Go back to that tree. See how it's bent? But eventually, it turns back up. What does that tell you? As soon as the obstacle was removed, the tree immediately started growing towards the sun. Listen, you might have a pattern right now that's just like that. But you can go and you can change that. And you can focus on the sun, S-O-N, to break that pattern. Now, don't forget, we're not just talking about your ancestors' impact on you. We're talking about your impact on generations to come. That says to me, God has invested a huge responsibility, privilege, and power in parenting. Whether we're talking about biological, adoptive, or spiritual. You know, maybe some of you don't have kids or were never able to have kids. You know what? I bet you are a parent figure to somebody. On Thursday... We had someone that came up to Pastor Farrell and said they were young and dumb. And they said, Pastor, uh, you know, once you talk, started talking about parenting, I stopped taking notes because I'm not a parent. And all the people that were with me, they stopped taking notes too because it didn't relate to us. Listen. I wish I would have learned a lot more about parenting before I became a parent. So no matter where you are in life, be teachable. When you have an arrogance or ignorant mindset of like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, dude, we got people that when we do a certain series, they just don't come. Because like, well, that doesn't apply to me. Give me a break, man. Like, that's not being teachable. That, that's, that's being arrogant. Like, how can God bless a life like that? I mean, what kind of pattern are you saying? Are, you, are, are they teaching their kids? Well, kids, they're talking about whatever. They're talking about sex. Because we don't do that around here. <laughs> so we're just not going to go. So you set a pattern for your kids that if it doesn't apply to me, then I don't have to worry about going. All right, I'm getting off that. 
Listen, man, we as pastors spend a lot of time during the week preparing and when we pour our hearts out here on stage. If you got something negative to say, don't do it after we preach. Like if you do it, I'm going to call you out. Because I'm going to break that pattern in your life. <laughs> All right, let's look at three ways we shape our kids. Number one, we shape our kids through the priorities we model before our children. We shape our kids through the priorities we model. There are two sides in this battle. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. Darkness versus light. Death versus life. There is no neutral ground. And listen, you cannot ride the fence right now. You're either hot for Jesus or you're cold for Jesus. There's no in between. If you're sitting on the fence, Satan owns the fence. All right? So where are you right now? You're either for Jesus or you're, or you're against Jesus. A vast majority of children grow up under the spiritual environment established by their parents. The spiritual environment in the home either influences the children to follow God, the way of the blessed life, or the spiritual environment created by the parents influences the children to ignore and rebel against God, which is the way to thanatos, death, misery. As parents, we need to be acutely aware that our spiritual priorities are very likely the priorities of our children. Listen, I want to set the example for my kids to follow Jesus. And when, and when, and when, things, when life doesn't go the way that I want, I want them to see that Sabrina and I are still faithful, serving the Lord through the valleys as well. Amen to that. <clears throat> but I want my kids to be even more on fire for Jesus. And I, I'm glad that my kids love coming to church. Like, I did not. It was boring, man. Like, organ music and uncomfortable pews. And, man, like, listen, the Christian life should be exciting. The Christian life should be fun. I, I love, man, I love being your campus pastor here. And I love Thursday nights, and I love Sunday mornings, and, and we have fun, man. We, you know, we laugh together, we cry together, we celebrate together, but we do life together, and that's the way it should be. But we set the priorities of our kids. Does some of you remember the Cats in the Cradle song in the 70s? <clears throat> man, I love 70s music. I I'm, I'm, I play 70s music all the time throughout the house and when I'm getting ready and when I'm washing the dishes. and um, I just love 70s music, man. It just told stories. It told stories. And, and, um, and so uh, many of you probably don't even listen to 70s music and don't, know, you know, don't know what 70s music you know, sounds like at all, but you're missing out. But there's a song, The Cat's in the Cradle, and the line says, well, it talks about, let me give you some, ba some background on that song. So, so, the, so there's, a, there's a father and there's a son, there's a little boy, okay? And the little boy wants to spend time with his dad. 
And his dad is always too busy to spend time with the son. There's always, you know, work and, and, and everything else. And the father just keeps on making excuses why he can't spend time with the boy. And, 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 but he, he keeps on making, the, the father keeps on making empty promises that, you know, son, don't worry. You know, when, when I get some time, I'll spend with you. All right. Now the father grows older and the son grows older. And then now the tables turn and the father wants to spend time with the son. And the son says he's just too busy to spend time with his dad and keeps on making empty promises to his dad that dad, you know, I'll make some time, you know, not just not, not right now. And then the father says, the line in there says, the boy was just like me. The boy was just like me. Powerful, man. It's powerful. Every time I hear that song, dude, I just want to like stop whatever I'm doing and go play with my kids. When it comes to your role as a parent, a spiritual parent, adoptive parent, whatever it is, the most important issue is the spiritual issue, not the eternal. The, the, is, is the spiritual issue the eternal issue? It's not making sure they learn all their ABCs. It's not, sure it's not, it's not to make sure that they get straight A's. You know, that's important that they do well in school. It's not making sure that, that they are a sports hero. Uh, listen, man, I love sports, man, and sports really consume me. Uh, when, I was, when I was younger, uh, guess what my kids don't like? Sports. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, now, occasionally, you know, uh, Greg and, and Cash will watch uh, football uh, with me on the TV because they know, hey, they can watch whatever they want, but Sunday afternoon, Daddy's got the TV. And so if you're going to watch anything, you're going to be watching some football. All right. Uh, it's not making, it's not, it's not helping them to achieve wealth and position. Because you know what? They could, they could be making six figures. And they could have, you know, all the toys in the world, like adult toys, boats and cars and, and, and houses. But if they're not serving Jesus, they don't have anything. It's not, it's, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, goals and priorities, but they all pale in significance to the priority of imparting to our children spiritual truth and light. I performed a wedding at the beach um, yesterday, and a uh, tough job, man, but someone's got to do it, all right? And, uh, but I took Gray, my oldest son, he's eight years old, and we hung out for the entire day, and man, we had a last like it, it was one of the, the most fun days i can remember in a long time and and uh we went to one of those uh, boat warehouses where they keep all the boats and man there's like hundreds of boats inside that and like three stories high and uh, we got them to see um like i just kind of walked in you know <laughs> like i wasn't really sure if it was supposed to be there but hey we had a good time anyway uh and we saw them uh no i i, I asked the guy and he said it's okay so we they we saw them uh, how they take the boats and they, they moved the boats around. We saw them take a boat out of water, and that was a ton of fun. And, and we went to a playground, and, and um, you know, we played good guy and bad guy. And, and, you know, I threw him in jail, and he, you know, he couldn't get out. And then he got out and had to chase him. And, and that, that little sucker is a lot faster than I am right now at eight years old. So I'm like, okay, we're done with this game. And, um, and uh, you know, and then 
you know, but then, but then he, you know, he saw me perform this wedding to, to, see, to see bringing two uh, just Christian, godly individuals come together. And, and then, you know, we talked about that as well. And it's so important for my kids to be able to see, listen, man, I don't want my kids, my kids to be, you know, one of the st- statistic, you know, PK kids. I want them to be thankful and grateful that their dad was a pastor and that they got to grow up in the church. And I don't want to disappoint them. And you know what? If I had the choice of disappointing you or disappointing them, guess who's going to get disappointed? You guys. Because God and my family is a priority. Also is my church. But my family is my first ministry. And if I don't do that well, then I can't do this well. Amen to that? Deuteronomy 6. 5 through 12 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And even today, Orthodox Jews do that. They have these boxes that they, they have that's strapped around their head that has scripture in them, and they have straps around their arms, and there's meaning to that, and they have boxes on their arms that are filled with scripture. God goes on to promise Israel that if they fall through on these instructions, they would inherit the promised land, the blessed life, and they would live forever, eternal life. And if they failed to follow through on these instructions, they would lose their inheritance they would pass on Thanatos, the cursed life, to the children. So number two, we shape our kids by the way we train them. We shape our kids by the way we train them. Now, training means to equip and mature. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train a child in the way he or she should go, teaching them to seek God's wisdom and will for their abilities and talents. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now listen, your child may stray away. And I know there's people in here right now that they serve the Lord, but their children are not serving the Lord. Your child may turn away, but if you model Jesus to them by your words and your actions... They will never forget that. They may stray, but they will remember your words and your actions. Typically, we adopt our parents' values, their styles and habits, both good and bad. It's easy to see some of the patterns passed on from generation to generation. But what about some of these? What about anger? Talked about that last week. My oil change story. Some of you remember. What about substance abuse? Mistreatment of women? Disrespect? What about rebellion against any kind of authority? Has that been passed down? Negativity? Man, I see that all the time. 
I see, I see negative people, just like a bunch of Eeyores, walking around. And you know what? A lot of times that was been passed down. Like people that just cannot see the positive out of anything. They always have to put a negative slant on because that's what their parents did and that's what their grandparents did. That's a generational curse, a generational sin, a generational pattern that's been passed down. But you can break that negativity. What about sexual or, or physical abuse or, 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 or sexual sin? Man, I, I, know, I know guys that they sleep around all the time because they also saw that that's what their dad did. What about pride? Greed, materialism, hypocrisy, legalism, laziness. Oh drives me nuts seeing laziness. And I see it all the time, buddy. People that are just living off the government, just living off the government and not taking any initiative. That's what their mom, and, mom or dad did, and, and I'm just going to be lazy, and I'm going to expect other people to take care of me. Preaching up in here. Prejudice, racism, hate. Was, was your parents or grandparents, were they, were, they a, were they a hateful person? Has that been passed down to you? Listen, man, the bridge, racism, prejudice, hate, that's not going to fly up in here. Right? It's a new day. It's a new day. So if you got that and you don't want to deal with it and you're going you're gonna to bring that into the bridge, you need to go find somewhere else because we're not about that here. What about self-pity? This victim mentality, oh, I'm telling you, I cannot stand the victim mentality. Listen, if you are negative, lazy, and have a victim mentality, and I don't want to hang out with you, there's a reason why. What about phobias? People that got phobias and, and these unrealistic fears, that gets passed down. When children grow, grow up with these destructive mindsets, even after they're out from under the influence of their parents, they are often locked into this kind of thinking long after they've moved away and gotten their stuff out of the attic. Amen to that? So God says we have to be intentional in training up our children in the ways they should go. The question is not primarily, what was my family like? The primary question is, what kind of person do I want to be? And more importantly, who do I want my children to be? Remember, no matter what curse or negative pattern that may have been passed down to you, that curse can be broken by you. God has given you the choice to stop the generational curse by submitting your life to him and to setting in motion a life of blessing for your children and for generations to come. So number one, we shape our children through the priorities we model. Number two, we shape our children by the way we train them. And three, we shape our kids by the ways we speak to them. By the ways we speak to them. It's amazing how many parents fail to recognize the power of their words. Every child desperately needs to hear words of blessings from their parents. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue 
has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise bring healing. I've heard parents speak to their children by saying things like, I wish you had never been born. You were a mistake. I hate you. I don't like you. You'll never amount to anything. You're just stupid. You're stupid. Man, I've heard parents in, the, in a grocery store call their, care, call, call their kids stupid. Fires me up, buddy. I've heard parents say, you're an embarrassment. What about more subtle things that sometimes we say as parents? Why aren't you more like blank? Why aren't you more like your brother or your sister? Or, or what about this one? You're going to be just like blank. You're going to be just like blank. These words have the power to literally set the course of a child's life. Some of you adults have never gotten past some of the things that adults said to you as, ch as a child. And I know, man, there's many of you that rec remember exactly what was said to you as a child and how that shaped you. The words are like a lid on your life, and you can't get past them because that's what you believe. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I remember in high school, I didn't really apply myself, man. I, you know, uh, I, would, uh, I would cheat every so often, and, and uh, man, I just, I just wasn't a good student, man. And I remember my guidance counselor, you know, she saw that I wasn't really very really motivated at school. And we sat down, and we were talking about the future, and I was talking about college. And you know what she told me? She said, you know, Jeremy, some people aren't meant for college. Basically saying, that's you. <laughs> I would love to get her address and send her a copy of my master's degree. And just put hashtag boom. So you ask, how do I find freedom from this curse? And we're, 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 we're closing up here. How do I find freedom from this curse? Number one, you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. Your parents, any adult who said those things to you, you will never get past that if you don't forgive. Number two, you've got to reject the words as a tool of Satan. Satan loves when there's those, um, those, those, negativity, those negative words um, that just shape you early on. You've got to remember that that is a tool from Satan, and Satan's a tool as well. But we've got to reject those words. Number three. You have to let God define you. Not what was done to you, not the words that were spoken to you. You got to let God define you. You got to determine to not let the reckless words define you anymore. 
That was reckless what was said to me. But I'm, now, I'm not going to let it define me. How do, how do you let God define you? You've got to read scripture. We've got devotionals that you, can get, that you can read. Check out the First Five app. It's an incredible app. I read it all the time. Let words define you. You've got to be surrounded by a Christian community. I was talking to one volunteer who, who, who wasn't able to come last week because he just had a lot going on. And, and I saw him today, and he said, man, I needed my church family. Because it's just, you get just beat up. You get beat up when, when you surround yourself just with the world and things of the world and don't have that Christian community to love on you. You've got to let the Holy Spirit, God's very presence that lives inside of you. And I spoke to the youth, the students this past Wednesday, about the power within you, the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, man, if you, if you believe and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he has given you the Holy Spirit, God's very presence that lives inside of you, and Satan will throw lies to you all day long. He will, he will shame you all day long. And the Holy Spirit in you will remind you, that's not who you are. You're my child. So if, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So you are trying to fight this battle by yourself, and you can't do it. Check out Right Now Media. Anyone that goes to the bridge has access to Right Now Media. We pay hundreds of dollars every month for you to have access to that. There's thousands of studies that you can do. Man, get off some of the other shows, the junk that's out on TV right now, and take 20 minutes, you know, a couple nights a week, and just watch Right Now Media and, and do a study. And I know many of you are starting to do that right now. Number four, release it to Jesus. He will carry your burdens. You've got to pray and you've got to weep through it sometimes. But he will carry your burdens. Cling on to God's truth. It's a battle, but you can win. You can overcome. Because Jesus overcame. And if you surrender to him, you're his kid. And you are an overcomer. So the question, question remains the same. How do you break a curse and start, start a cycle of blessing for your family and the generations to come? These, these final two sermons, we're going to answer that question for you guys. So part three and four. Don't you love how I just kind of leave that out there? Make you come back. So come back. Let me pray for you guys.